Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. I grew up knowing the Bible verse, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that seemed like a very basic verse for me as a teenager, as someone in their early 20s. And then I had children and the meat and necessity of that verse took on completely different weight and meaning and a different level of difficulty that I feel so privileged that I grew up in a home where motherhood was modeled for me. And I grew up with a mom who loved motherhood and prioritized motherhood at a very high level. And so I thought, I'm going to be really great at this. And I'm just going to knock this one out of the park. And then there were personalities. And then there was will. And then there was sin. And all of the things I thought I had figured out got turned upside down. And I had to go back to the Lord with a humble heart, like a dog, you know, with their tail between their legs, saying, Lord, forgive me for my prideful spirit and guide me as I try to train up these children so that when they are old, they will not depart from you. And I am so glad to have a mom with me today who really has a heart for training up children. And it's a good thing that she has that heart because God has given her 10 children. Uh, Abby Halbertstad is here today, and she has 10 children between the ages of two and 16. And in the midst of that are two sets of twins. So God has trusted her with a different level of uh, grace, probably that has been needed during certain seasons and um, hopefully some extra rest during those seasons too, to survive up to this point. Um, Abby has been married for 17 years. And I know that after hearing from her today, you're going to want to one, get her book, which I'm excited to share with you. It's called M is for mama, a rebellion against mediocre motherhood. And it is just full of Bible-based truth about motherhood. So if you love God's word and you love being a mom, or if you love God's word and you wish you loved being a mom, maybe, <laughs> um, I really recommend you get, get your hands on this book. Uh, M is for mama. And you can also follow Abby on Instagram at M dot is dot for dot mama. Or you can find her online at mismormama.net. And she has some excellent blog posts there that you can read more from her. She's an excellent writer and just communicates beautifully. And of course, I'll link all of this stuff in the show notes below. So uh, Abby, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. And you're such a trooper. I know that you've been on the sick side and that your voice is not even up to 100%. So thank you for bringing all that you have and being willing (laughs) to be here anyway. Thanks. Thanks for listening to my croakiness. It's okay. God can speak through croakiness. I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, so let's just start out. I think it's important that we define things clearly uh, from the start. So let's clarify first, what is training up a child? We hear about it, but how would you even define that? So training is such a nebulous word for some people, especially in our current culture. There's a backlash against the concept. and especially from a secular 
viewpoint, which kind of makes sense. If your idea is that you should be able to do what you want, when you want, follow your heart, do what you want to do, follow your passions. And the idea of training yourself is pretty um, unpleasant and repugnant to a lot of people that aren't thinking from a biblical perspective. And I'm running into a lot of Christians who don't necessarily have a lot of biblical literacy and they're maybe adhering more to the worldly view of training as something that's kind of like you gross who would do that if you didn't have to if you weren't an olympic athlete or a gymnast or a you know getting your doctorate like i get those people need to train themselves and be disciplined but kind of the rest of us go with the flow do whatever makes you happy and i see this more and more in christian moms and it's concerning to me because they're not understanding that training is the foundation of our walk with the Lord, not just what we do for our children, but what we do for ourselves to make ourselves know God's word, love God's word, and then follow God's word. Um, and if we're Christians, obviously, then that's by the Holy Spirit's power, not in our own doing, not in our own goodness, but we kind of have to teach ourselves through the Holy Spirit's guidance to love the right things. Um, hmm. And so, when we understand rightly that training is not like teaching a dog tricks, training mm -hmm. is not some sort of rote exercise, instead it is developing a relationship with our children that will then point them to their Heavenly Father, that we start to really grasp the weight of that responsibility, because it's a big deal. Yeah, and what, what I'm hearing you say is that a lot of this comes back to my own heart work. Absolutely. But that's, yeah. that seems a lot harder that if I read a book with a formula that tells me do A, B, C, and D, then I know, okay, I can check those boxes and then I'm going to get that kind of a kid. But that doesn't, that doesn't turn the mirror back at me. And I find no. when I, when I spend time truly in God's word, it works like a mirror that it reflects back at me. And I just, I soak in, oh man, God has these areas for me to grow in. So that's where you're saying it starts. Absolutely. And um, in the book, Mr. Mama that I wrote, that's the first thing that I said before I ever talked about any kind of training of children or discipline in that area. I had a whole chapter that basically said, if we have not first trained ourselves, if we have not first exercised the fruit of the spirit, that is discipline then we are not going to be able to authentically do that for and with our children because we're going to be hypocrites. Mm -hmm. If we haven't um, first had that pruning in our own hearts and that kind of uh, process that Hebrews describes, it says no discipline is pleasant to a man, but it's painful at the time, but it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We want that. <laughs> we want that fruit of righteousness. We want those good things. Um, but we have to go through the painful process of being disciplined and trained to get there. And so if we haven't done that for ourselves. We won't be able to authentically convey that to our children. What do you see is so different about training a heart versus just training a behavior? Because so often we see the behaviors as the problem, but the behaviors all have a root that really goes back to the heart. Absolutely. And if we are not willing to acknowledge that the human heart is sinful, um, Jeremiah, I believe, talks about it being desperately wicked and are not being able mm. to even understand the depths of that. And that's a hard concept when we're dealing with 
little bitty people whom we love and we see their pudgy little arms and we give them hugs and we spend time with them and we think, you know, I can't think of this child as having a sinful heart. And then we see the anger and aggression and all those things that are able to come out of such a tiny being. And you're reminded yet again, oh, that's right. Through Adam, all have sinned, including my tiny child. Now he is innocent and in that he has not reached an age of accountability, but he still has that sinful heart in him. And if we're not willing to address the heart of that, then when he reaches that age of accountability, he's you know, in his responsibility for his sin. We want to prepare him to have a heart of repentance. We can't work that repentance in his heart. Only God can do that. But we can lay a foundation of understanding. So when we talk about training the heart, instead of just simply having, like you were talking about earlier, a rope response to every single thing. Okay, you do this, I do this, it produces this result. Well, one, we're going to see that thrown out the window the second we get a personality that doesn't align with that paradigm. I know. I always think it's funny when someone's so matter of fact about those things. I kind of want to just like smile and be like, oh, can I see your only first child? (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe two, but like, goodness gracious, not, not our little personalities here. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so you might, you're right. You might be able to get away with a formula or seem like you're getting away with a formula um, with a really passive child or really a people-pleasing child. Compliant. Um, compliant. Yes. All those things. And I have a couple of those out of 10 children. I think I have two that I would put in that category. Um, <clears throat> but even then, what you're training them to do is perform. Mm-hmm. You're not training them to love goodness. You're not touching the heart of the matter. You're not developing a relationship with them that mirrors the relationship that God pursues with us. You're just hoping for, quote, results. Mm-hmm. And you might get them for some children, at least for a while, but you are producing robotic repetition as opposed to true heart change. And again, I make the point, I can't produce heart change. Mm-mm. However, I am entrusted with training my children's hearts toward the Lord, teaching them his ways so that there's a foundation of truth there. So they're not just blindsided by it with having no knowledge of God's truth. When they reach an age of accountability, when they start encountering their sinful emotions and being like, why am I like this? Why am I so angry? Why am I so jealous? Why am I so sad? Mm-hmm. Why can't I control, um, you know, why can't I control my, overly emotional responses to things like why do I freak out so much when we haven't laid a foundation of because we are lost without Jesus but there's this good good news that Jesus has already paid for our lostness he's already paid for every sin we have committed or will commit like that's amazing we have already overcome this in Christ's strength and so when we lay that foundation for our kids by speaking to the heart of the matter by showing them the love of God by teaching them scripture. Um, we are not training rote behavior. We are giving them a foundation to understand God's truth going forward. Well, and I hear you saying two different important things too, that there's intentional training that's happening. So scripture is being poured into them. We're mm-hmm. choosing resources that we're teaching them from that are speaking truth. That's giving them a biblical worldview as they're moving into the world, that they have a foundation on God's word. They have 
I'm picturing that this child, you know, gets to go have believers speak into them. So they're hearing truth of God from other people. But the flip side of that coin that you talked about earlier that also really is important is they're seeing it in you and you're modeling this for them. So I think about like when one of my, I think it was my first was about three and I just was like hitting the end of my rope daily in patience. And I still remember the first time looking into his little, you know, blonde, curly hair, little blue eyes and, and getting down on my knees and saying, Jesus, I need your patience. Give me wisdom to know how to help him right now. Yeah. And his little eyes got so wide, like, whoa, mom's lost it. Or like she needs <laughs> business right now. But I think about the conversations we've had. He's almost 13 now. So we're having these real conversations about real life now. And he, the other day was working through something and he came and saw me in the evening and said, Hey, I just went and spent some time outside while I was praying. You should come outside with me. And I'm like, this is it. And it's not because it's not because I said, you know, when things are hard, you go, go outside and you get your eyes up to the sky and you talk to the Lord. But he's watched me model these things that he'd know when I'd start to, you know, I'm losing it inside with, with the day when everyone's got their needs of various things. And I say, all right, everybody, we're going to go outside. And he knows mom gets outside when we need to, ha- when she needs to, to you know, to- tone it down and, yeah. um, and tune it in and get with the Lord. So he's seen these things modeled. And that's why he's able to live, to make those choices. So yes, it's what, it's a two-sided thing though. Yes. It's that he's being taught truth and being taught scripture and given a foundation, but it's also seeing it modeled by his parents who are supposed to be the ones teaching him these things. When we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up, it's a, it's a relationship aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing that we need to remember, because that weight of that responsibility to model things quote unquote correctly can really crutch us because mm-hmm. when we mess up, we're going to feel like, Oh, I, I didn't model that. That is what my child is going to emulate. And there can be some truth to that in seasons where we are struggling with the same thing over and over again. Another thing I talk about in the book is postpartum rage with yeah. my eighth and how two or three months in, I was realizing this is not the mom. I want my kids to remember. I don't want them to remember. I don't want to have been started this thing now where this is who I am now. And they won't be able to remember the other 13 years of their lives mm-hmm. because you are establishing a pattern. So then you can get yourself in a cycle of self-condemnation. And we know that there's therefore now no condemnation for those mm-hmm. who are in Christ Jesus. And that's not the same thing as there's therefore now no sin for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. We just are no longer slaves to it and under the law of condemnation. And so when we, when we own that and say, I'm struggling right now, Holy Spirit, help me to do better. Give me practical helps. Give me wisdom from women who have gone before and from my husband and from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a way out. Um, no temptation to cease this except what is common to man. And yet God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear in his strength. He will give us mm-hmm. a way out. And so... For that chapter, I talk about the way out for me was this 30-day challenge called the Gentleman's Challenge, where I realized that I had gotten in a cycle of um, losing my temper, being grouchy, negative speech, feeling those hormones and feeling like they were the boss of me. And um, 
almost like I was addicted to this hormonal response of irritation and snappishness and losing my temper mm-hmm. and being overly harsh. And in the process of giving myself and a bunch of other people online that joined in this, this challenge of um, only using gentle speech, or if we couldn't come up with anything nice to say, being quiet for 30 <laughs> days was transformational mm-hmm. because it was a detox from negativity. Mm-hmm. Those, those hormones are very real, but we also become addicted to this kind of need to be righteously angry. It can happen to us as moms. And so I really, and I think it's become accepted too. our cultures are like, well, that's, that's understandable though, because you, and like, you're just being real. You've got to be real or how will your children be able to feel emotions? But God's word says we're to do everything without complaining and arguing, not some things or not everything except for when we don't feel like it. Right. But the other, the other thing I saw modeled in this that I have absolutely continued with my children too, is apologizing and asking for forgiveness. That's 100% where I was going with that. I was going to say that before I ever started that challenge, I had to acknowledge what was, what I was doing wrong to my children. Mm -hmm you were talking about the modeling process and I was saying, well, we won't always get it right. And Mm -hmm. we can condemn ourselves for that. Then the good news is we don't have to get it right every single time. Mm -hmm. We are just required to repent Mm -hmm. the God into whom we have sinned. And if it's our children, we repent to our children. We model that part of Lord, I've done wrong. Forgive me that we see in the Psalms so much, um, you know, created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so ultimately what that ended up doing was we all worked together for 30 days to mm. work on our speech. They saw that modeled in me and then they saw me repent when I didn't do well. And that is so important. Our kids do not need to see us being perfect Mm-mm. because if they have that concept of us, they're going to think they're going to be have, have to be perfect as their parents are perfect, not perfect as God is perfect that he enables them to do in his strength. Right, <laughs> right. That's really important. Yeah, I think about that passage. Um, I believe it's in Luke that says when a child is fully grown, he will be like his teacher. And I don't want them to think that they have to be perfect. That's not my right, goal. Right. But I do want for them to understand that when we when we're going through something or when we sin, that we ask forgiveness and then we accept it and then we move on and we make right. better we choices. Don't stay mired in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important because we don't want to be like a dog returning to his vomit to just keep right. kind of getting ourselves stuck in that cycle again. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into, I, I believe that pretty much everyone who listens to this takes seriously their parenting responsibilities or they probably wouldn't be choosing this podcast. Um, <laughs> and so we know that the world doesn't give truth in this. So let's give some real, real practical steps. So you say this starts with the mom first, and I know that your book, ta- your book speaks to that. Practically, what should a mom be pr- like prioritizing or doing daily to equip her to do this well? To train children well? Yes. Um, so in beginning to talk about the importance of training ourselves well before we train our children well. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest, most practical, just hands-on things we can do is regardless of our personality, whether we're organized naturally or not, whether we're disciplined naturally or not, is to sit down and ask the Lord what a good daily rhythm for our family would be that we can practically stick So disorder and chaos do not create a good basis for training for um, growing in self-discipline, for um, consistency. 
or follow through, all of those things that if you don't have them, if you're kind of just scattershotting your training, scattershotting your discipline, and you may hit a spot here or there, but you're not going to actually be reaching hearts because you aren't consistently modeling like we've been talking about. You aren't consistently following through. You aren't consistently reflecting the heart of God, which is that he's never scattershot. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can't truly achieve that, but that's our that's our goal. That's our standard. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, I keep saying by his strength, because if we if we are not, and that so I would say, number one, ask the Lord what a simple daily rhythm could look like for your family that you could stick to. Some people are gonna have parts, some people are going to literally put like the family rhythms up. And they're going to have, I just saw someone the other day do this and I thought it was really cool. I don't think we're ever going to do this, but I thought it was really smart. Mm -hmm. Her children are 10 and under and she has several that are young and non-readers. So for their, for their homeschool day, she has these little cards I'm holding in my hands. Like you can see, but they're rectangular cards and she will print out an image on them that represents something. So a book represents morning time because they're going to read aloud. Um, fork and spoon represents breakfast and she'll actually velcro them in order so that even the little children know what to expect our kids love knowing what to expect Mm -hmm. even if they don't know they love it um if you've ever gotten in the car and your children have been like where are we going in what order what are we buying there and you're like this is a lot of pressure you kind of back off (laughs) we're gonna have to go with the flow but kids really like to know what to expect and they they think that we adults know what it is. Like we, we've got the plan. So having a general plan, whether you do the Velcro things, whether you just have it in your head, whether you write a schedule and tape it to you know, the wall or, or put it on the refrigerator is a great way to know kind of how to keep your day flowing well and keep mm-hmm. there from being chaos. Um, and then I would say that one thing that needs to be on the schedule at some point, preferably at the beginning of your day, because it's so much harder to backtrack, it's time with the Lord mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to look complicated. It doesn't have to be pretty. There don't have, there doesn't have to be candles and, you know, pretty pens and a flowery journal. Um, if you're in a season of newborns waking up at night, you may be nursing with one hand and holding a Bible with the other. And you get 10 minutes of Psalms in for the day. Mm-hmm. You may get another 10 minutes in at lunchtime. Or you may be in a season where you've got some more time to do an inductive Bible study and you're doing a really deep dive into James or something like that. Both of those count like they matter. Um, listening to, I'll listen to um, sermons while I do dishes sometimes. Um, that's a way of getting God's word in your heart. Um, we can play, you know, salty or or seeds family mm-hmm. worship or you know anything in the car those those all add up it's line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little isaiah talks mm-hmm. about that it doesn't have to be all or nothing but my suggestion would be to get something in early in the day mm-hmm. whether it's individually or with your children during morning time or at breakfast that involves god's word and prayer it just mm-hmm. sets a tone for your day that it can change everything to be completely honest. It really yeah. has an impact. Um, so practically speaking, create a rhythm. Um, know when nap times are, know when lunchtime is, 
have a plant meal plan, you know, just kind of some things that help you plan ahead. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think people get freaked out if they're not planners, but if they don't have everything written in an ink, it won't go well. And I just don't see that being true. I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of grades for different motherhood styles within saying, I still need a plan for this day. Um, yeah. And then um, I would really recommend any mom that has any children under 10 that they have, especially if they are homeschool moms with their children around most of the day, that they have a quiet time in the afternoon. Amen um, to that. It is so essential for our brains mm-hmm. to get at least a short break from the constant overstimulation that is motherhood. And so um, that would just be another thing. And then as part of the plan, and I already mentioned it, I think meal planning is, is really key. Yeah. I did a podcast. I did a podcast a little while ago. I'll actually, I'll link back in the show notes to a couple. One we did on meal planning and it was a really good one because I did it with two different moms at the same time. So they each shared their own styles of how they meal plan because it's very different. Each of their styles were, but they're both very good at it. And I think that kind of goes back to what you just said too. What is a good daily rhythm for our family and seeking the Lord for that? Because your home is going to look different than your neighbor's home, than your friend's home, than my home. And so while you might be able to glean from things that I do, you don't have the same husband that I do and you don't have the same personality that I do. So like what makes things tick in our home? may be different than what makes it tick in your home. And I do think we should glean from wise women and say, okay, this works well for you. Maybe I can try that, but don't be afraid to then say, you know what, I'm going to bend it like this and, and figure out how to make it work for your family. That's part of the gift of being the mom that you are the manager of your home. You are yes. the leader of that yes. space. So don't yes. be afraid to take it and run with it as God has equipped you as the personality he chose for your family. Yes, 100%. That is a huge theme of the entire Miss for Mama book. I refuse to give you a prescription for parenting because mm-hmm. I am not God. You should not be looking to any one human for, quote, the only right way to do things except for the fact that you it should be a biblical view of things mm-hmm. i mean that is right but within a biblical lens we have so many varied personalities and so many varied strengths and weaknesses and the lord made us that way to reflect his image in a variety of ways and i think we really do injustice to the unique ways that he, he's created us when we try to copy and paste things mm-hmm. i mean yes you're right learn but don't just you know latch on and never let go, even if it doesn't work for your family. Right. Be willing to try something different and fail at it and then try it again a different way Yeah, because maybe you'll stumble upon something. And then also something else you said that I thought is really important is that God is a God of order that nowhere. I, I remember studying the Israelites at one point and studying how God was establishing them as a nation. And he was so very detailed with the yeah. instructions he gave them as how to, um, how to establish everything they built had very specific details down to the measurements that he was giving them and how mm. they were, how they were to conduct themselves as a people. And I remember being so convicted. This was when I was pregnant with my third that you are supposed, you were made in my image and you are not conducting your home in a way of order because you are busy about many other things. Mm. And I was like, Oh Lord, 
<laughs> okay. Where do I start here? Where? And I remember having to ask, Lord, what do you want me to cut? Because I can't do everything I'm doing and do better in my home. And it was scary because yeah. he he gave me very specific things that I actually had to cut out of my life. I had a business I was doing part-time. I had a um, ministry that I was involved in at church. And I felt so, so clearly the Lord spoke to me. You need to stop doing these things so that you can serve me better in creating more order in your home and with your mm. family. And they were good things. So it's yeah. like, God, you're, t- you're taking me out of ministry but that wasn't where he wanted me at that time. He wanted me to establish more order in our home. And it was the beginning of a different heart of obedience, I think, for me and submission of what I felt like was right priorities yeah. to actually taking my priorities to the Lord and saying, Lord, what would you have for me instead yeah. of what I would have for me? Yeah. And I think another aspect of that is that when we look so much outside of our own homes of what other moms are doing and try to emulate those things. Too often we forget that there is literally one person, like human, that's below God that we're supposed to be checking all of our things with, and we might not even be doing that, and it's our husband. Mm-hmm. So we are like, okay, well, Susie manages to do all these things, so I'm just going to jump in and do those things. And we jump in, and then our husbands are like, hey, you're really stressed, and it seems like maybe we don't have time for this, or um, there's been a lot of balls dropped lately. Um, and like my husband, I don't think has ever said the phrase to me, Hey, you're dropping a lot of balls. Would you please step it up? But (laughs) there can be moments when they kindly express kind of this, you seem like maybe you're maxed out. And I think if I'm basing it on my response, our knee jerk reaction a lot of times is like, Hey, don't tell me what to do. You know, like I've got this, even if we don't got this and we're not realizing that we are, um, sort of disdaining a God-given source of wisdom that we probably should have, we absolutely Mm -hmm. should have checked our stuff with to begin with. Um, Mm -hmm. There are definitely things in life that I would have done well to avoid. And if I had, I do try to take everything to my husband now, but at that point in my life, I was kind of just, yeah, sure. Yes, I can do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure it gets done. I think. And, um, and if I had checked with him, he would have said, you know, I don't think you have the bandwidth for that. And it's not going to work yep. well for our family. Um, so I think that's really an important point to, to go to the husband first, because it's going to affect him a whole lot more than it's going to affect Susie. Yeah. 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 I talked about that a little bit on my hundredth episode that I did not too long ago about how our yeses impact our whole family yes, and how the Lord really worked in my heart with that. When he even led me to start this podcast that I was like, okay, how's this going to work with my home though? Cause that needs to stay primary and figuring out with my husband, how do we, how do we do this to make this work? And, but to keep family first, to keep my priorities, right. Right. Um, okay. Let's, let's briefly touch on your four core principles of child training from your book. Um, but, but don't give too much because I really want people to get your book (laughs) and then to read it for themselves because it really is solid. And I like that they're principles, but that they're not how to's. So let's talk about the first one is communication. Okay. So I think we skip this way too often and we don't realize that we have yet to literally ask for what we want from our children. Hmm. Um, We get in the car, we go somewhere, we all start tumbling out. We get to the grocery store and we're like, why in the world are they acting like crazy hooligans? Well, um, did you tell them how they were supposed to act? Did you tell them what your expectations? Oh yeah. At home. I mean, I did that like last week. I mean, we talk about this all the time at home. No. Did you say, 
we're going to the grocery store. We're going to be there for, you know, out this long. These are the items. I don't mean you list your grocery list for me. I just mean like we're going for this week's groceries or mom only has two things to get. Like there's a difference between those two. Mm-hmm. We, I need, the babies are going to sit. I have two two-year-olds. That's one of my sets of twins is, is two-year-olds. Um, they're going to sit in the cart and then I need Honor's hand on the cart. And Theo, you're going to help me do this. Let's say I have four kids with me, you know. Well, a casual, easy grocery shopping. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, we just set ourselves up for success from the beginning mm-hmm. when my kids knowing what's expected from them. Mm-hmm. And yet, how often do we skip that step? I mean, all the time. I do yeah. it now. And I realize um, when you've done a lot of communicating, you can get kind of lax. And then the younger kids won't have had it as much. And you're like, oh, I need to tighten up here. And I need to start <laughs> explaining myself again because they don't know what's going on, you know? Yes. Okay. So communication for sure. And I think car rides are ideal for that, but sometimes we can kind of, and I think phones have taken away our focus a lot, not hopefully not like texting on our phone or being on it for other reasons while we're driving, but being on the phone, even I think back to when my mom had us and she used car drives for us to listen to scripture songs, to talk to us, to prepare us for what was coming next. Yeah. And when I'm in the car, I can be like, oh, this might be a good time to call my sister to chat with her about such and such or whatever, which isn't bad. But if there are other things that would be better uses of our time, then I need to consider that before I just jump on a call or, you know, even before we just turn on the radio, like yeah, what do absolutely. we need to be doing during this time? Because most yeah. car rides I find have excellent purpose in preparing for where we're going or debriefing where we came from as we get back home Um, and resetting ourselves for when we get home. All right. When we get home, just so you know, this is what's going on. So everyone doesn't think it's a free for all. Yes, absolutely. Or maybe it is a free for all. And that's great. (laughs) It's often not. Um, Okay. Consistency is your second point. Right. So, and this is what I was talking about earlier. If we, um, if we want to see a genuine change in a behavior, we've already talked about part of training, but sometimes I mean, potty training, potty training can only about be about the heart so much. Like we need them to go on the potty, <laughs> you know, like some, it's, it's not necessarily all super deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's learning to sit on our bottoms. And, and the heart of that is obedience mm-hmm. um, because that's what the Bible has asked children to do. And that's what we have to convey to children because children can't read. Children don't know that it says children obey your parents in the Lord. They don't know it says honor your father and mother of the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Um, they, they can't read those things. So it's our responsibility to say, hey, this is what the Bible says. And here's how that looks for you. And here's how that benefits you. And here's how that honors God. And here's how that, how that helps mom. Um, if we aren't being, if we're, we're not willing to do that day in and day out. Um, we're not going to see a lot of change mm-hmm. in the bottom staying in the seat. If we are literally across the room hollering at them, sit down, sit down. Hey, I said sit down. And when I say consistency, I don't mean the consistency of repeating yourself four times for the same activity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being consistent to communicate and then to um, require the things that can be required, especially mm-hmm. with very young children, holding mama's hand, sitting on your bottom, not throwing the yogurt across the room, <laughs> you know, things like that. When mom says stop, you have to stop Yeah, every time. Right. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's exactly. hard. I and I I think that we all know this and like deep in our heart every mom probably believes that. But then the reality is at the moment that you sat down and you haven't sat down in hours and you just sat down and you're like, okay, I made a coffee. And then that little one starts to go down the hall and you say, Hey, stop. We're not going down the hall right now. And then there they go. Like they don't even slow down. They yeah. just book it and you just decide, forget it. I'm just going to check Instagram anyway, whatever. They'll be yeah. fine. Like yeah. that's, that's the moment. And it is work and it doesn't mean it's easy but it's necessary that we be consistent. Absolutely. And I would say like one of the things that as a mom who's nursed 10 kids, um, putting the baby down, like unlatching a baby and putting a baby down, I get messages constantly from moms that are like, <laughs> my two-year-old is awful while I'm nursing my baby. Like oh, they, yeah. their behavior is awful. They, they, they know. Yes. Yes. They absolutely are not. They, wanna, they also want to see if they matter still. Like, do you yes. really care? Yes, true. So even as frustrating as it is to have to unlatch that baby, set them down, they're probably going to be screaming because like, what? You just took my lunch. That was really rude. And then go and get down. And this is really, really, really important with little kids. Talking down to little kids, not in a, I mean, sure, it's condescending. Talking down at them is never as good of an idea as getting down on their level and being on eye level. Like you were talking about, you did with your little boy when you were saying, Jesus, I need help. He was able to see in your eyes that you were desperate for the Lord's help and that you were willing to get down there with him on his level. And so putting that baby down, getting yourself off the couch, going to the toddler, getting down on their level and said, mama said no. We're not going down the hall. Now you're going to need to come sit beside me while I nurse. Then you have a wiggly child beside you while you're nurse. And it is obnoxious. And I know that people's toes are curling right now. But the good news is if you're willing to be consistent on something like that for a week, you're pretty much done. Like yep. it doesn't, it's not a two-year process for simple little things like mm-hmm. obeying mom the first time to not wander away or touch things. You just have to be willing to consistently convey it. Well, and I think that goes in really well that your third point is discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So I talk in the book about um, my twin toddlers, my girl, a set of girl twins that are um, almost 10. And they have this whole thing um, that you'll have to read the book to find out. But it's a whole thing <laughs> that they did over and over again. And we definitely communicated what they needed to do. They didn't want to do it. So they kept doing it, doing the wrong thing. And then we... Um, we're consistent with reminding them, but the actual uh, taking away of the access to the thing that they wanted mm-hmm. was the discipline. And it was another one of those things that was so obnoxious to do. Like we literally had to shut and lock their door. Well, they were playing happily in their room if we didn't jump lock the door, but they were doing the thing. And so I'm like, okay. I've got to get off the couch, walk up the stairs and do this thing over and over again. Um, and some, some behaviors, some habits are harder to break than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I can say this, this is the indiscipline and people are like, oh man, this feels like a giant slog. There are some that take three days. Mm-hmm. You will see such a huge improvement in bedtime mm-hmm. if you will stand at the door and send kids back to bed. Yep. And, and put your phone down. Yeah, true. Like, it's very true. They know when a lot of times. They do. And a lot of times in those stressful moments when it's like, oh, I just need a break or, and you don't even, we don't even realize like you're doing it for a dopamine hit because you're like drained and exhausted. Yeah. And so, so then the phone comes out and you're like taking this escape and you're not actually dealing with what 
the current problem is in front of you and it's not going to help with the long run. Well, it's in fact going to hurt. You are actually mm-hmm. perpetuating something that will cause you more frustration. Right. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And follow through. Which we talked about. If you don't yeah. actually walk up the stairs, close the door, get down on your child's level Do the and thing. say, this is, this is not working and here is your consequence. And I said it and we're doing it and we're just going to do it until this, this has, you know, a sink in effect, Mm -hmm. this actually has an impact. Um, it's hard work. It is such hard work, but I always say over and over again, hard is not the same thing as bad. Some of the hardest things in our mothering journeys are the ones that change us the most send us to the foot of the cross the most, make us realize our need for Jesus the most, and ultimately produce the most fruit because it's Mm -hmm. that pruning process that really produces a harvest in the future. Absolutely. I have said so many times that motherhood must be one of the most sanctifying things. Absolutely. Yeah. Ruth Joe Simon says that a lot. Motherhood is sanctifying and it is so, so true. Mm -hmm. And with each child, isn't it amazing? You think you're sanctified with one and then the next one comes and they have their own things. And then the next one comes and they have their own blessings and challenges. And it's like every time, like, Lord, what else do you have to sharpen in me? Because I thought I was pretty good. But then that next personality comes. You're like, okay, here's the next thing, Lauren. It's going to grow us all. Absolutely. I would say like on the flip side of that, I'm so grateful because again, we can get stuck in that cycle of self-condemnation that the Lord gives me little things that I can look back on that he really has changed my heart for. Oh, yes. And I'm like, oh, it's like an Ebenezer. It's like a milestone. You're like, this used to drive me crazy. This behavior three children ago would have broken yeah. me. It would have absolutely, I would have been so upset and feeling like this is never going to change and like a failure. And like, my kid is probably the worst and all these things. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the even, worst and they're going to go to jail. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and that right now I'm not even that phased by this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that is the Holy Spirit at work Amen. in me. Well, Lord, it really is true, you know? Amen. Amen. Well, this has been so helpful and encouraging and super practical too. And I, can just think that the way that you share today is such an excellent reflection of the way that you share in your book, that it is extremely helpful and practical and encouraging for moms. And um, I, I really hope that moms will be able to take a minute and that whoever's listening will be able to look back on their own life, like you were saying, and think back on how the Lord has grown them and trained them through their motherhood as they have been given this wonderful privilege hard as it may be, but hard is not bad, as you say, um, to raise these children, these disciples that God has put in their home. What a wonderful, what a wonderful privilege it is. Yeah, it is a joy. It's, it's hard, but just because something's hard doesn't mean that you can't find a whole lot of fulfillment and joy in it. And so Mm -hmm. looking at, I would even encourage moms not to just think about it, but actually write it down in like a Bible journal Mm -hmm. or somewhere where they can look back and be like, I forgot I wrote that down, but it's so true. It's an encouragement. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, Abby, thank you so much again for being here. I so appreciate it. And I hope that um, moms will go get your book and just be encouraged by today and that um, they'll be able to really read through these principles and be encouraged and challenged by those further. So thanks a lot so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below, where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. 
I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.